Welcome to The Crumb, a podcast by Bake From Scratch. I'm your host, Brian Hart Hoffman, and I'm here to talk all about baking. The people, the culture, and the baked goods that make us run to preheat our ovens. Welcome back. I cannot believe it. Where did a year go? Well, I'll tell you what happened during the year. We relocated our headquarters for Hoffman Media, the parent company of Bake From Scratch. And during that time, we obviously had to take apart our headquarters and our podcast recording area. So all of this podcast equipment has been in storage for the last year. And I am so happy to have it connected, wired, in the studio. And we are back in the heart of downtown Birmingham, Alabama. And I'm so glad you're joining us for this episode of The Crumb. I promise you will not be waiting another year for the next episode because once we kick things off today with this new and improved The Crumb Podcast, we're going to be in the baking celebration mind all the time. So here's what you can expect. We are going to have more of the conversations with bakers and bloggers and chefs and people that you know and love from our deliciously sweet baking world. We're going to have in-depth chats about baking step-by-step, what are some tips and tricks that we all need to know as bakers and how we have better results in our kitchens. Then we're going to even do some conversations about ingredients that you can make from home if you find yourself in a pinch or you just want to take on one more task in the kitchen. And then, of course, baking hacks. We're going to talk about baking controversies, baking failures and what we learned from those. And then, of course, I'm going to have some of my colleagues from the Bake From Scratch Test Kitchen and the magazine team join me for conversations, too. You may know the voice of Brooke Bell from Baking School. I'm sure she'll be making a few appearances here on The Crumb. And then, of course, I always talk about what I'm craving in baking because I can't stop talking about it. And I know you love it, or at least I hope you do. And then we'll talk about burning questions from you. So be sure to send in your questions to Bake from scratch at hoffmanmedia.com so that we can answer your questions here on The Crumb. But y'all, I am so excited to be back. I am so excited for today's conversation. You are going to love our guest as we kick things off with our new season. And of course, I can't do any of this without my friends and sponsors in the baking world. So today, I've got to stop and thank Red Star Yeast an amazing company with yeast products that give you amazing results each and every time you bake bread in your kitchen. They are who we have stocked exclusively here at Bake From Scratch and at my kitchen at home, and the results are amazing, and the proof is in the beautiful bread that comes out of the oven. So thank you, Red Star Yeast. Without you, we wouldn't have the crumb here wherever podcasts are distributed. But let's get into today's conversation. Welcome back to The Crumb, everyone. A delicious journey lies ahead. Today's guest on The Crumb is none other than Jessie Sheehan. Now, you know her because she's a successful blogger, cookbook author, social media personality, and a contributing editor to Bake From Scratch with her Fast Fix column in every single issue. And she gets to be my friend and I get to be hers. Jessie, I'm so happy to have you on The Crumb. Brian, I am so excited to be here. This is like a dream come true. I've been listening to The Crumb since you started it. Well, and you and I have talked so many times about you being on The Crumb, but our baking life just kept getting better and better and better. And now the timing is absolutely perfect because we're working together on magazine content. You're going to be in Birmingham one day soon to teach a retreat with me. We'll talk about that in a little bit. But today's conversation is so 
Perfect. Oh, yeah. And you are a host of your own podcast, so you already know exactly how this is going to go. A hundred percent. But all of these little things with Bake From Scratch magazine and with you that you just listed are all dreams come true. FYI. Oh, well, thank you. This is what the baking community is all about. That's why we love it. That's why we're smiling while we talk about it. And we're going to get to dive in on who is Jesse Sheehan and tell the baking world maybe some things they've never even heard before. And then, of course, we'll talk about all the fun things that you're known for, like snacking cakes and your social media videos and some of the words you use that I love. So we'll talk all <laughs> about it as we get into the chat today. <laughs> um, but Jesse, we do need to start by talking about two things that the world of listeners right now will be shocked to learn. You were an actress and you were and are a lawyer. Give us a little bit of the snapshot into who Jessie Sheehan is as an actress and a lawyer. Of course. And I always joke, Brian, that I'm like an uh, like a recovering actress. Like I don't like share it. I'm like a little bit private about it. I like kind of get a little sheepish. But truth be told, when I was like in high school and then also in college, I was really into acting. And so when I graduated from college, that was my thing. I lived in New York City. I had gone to college there and I you know, gave it, you know, a, a, a few years, six years, I think exactly, um, to see if I could quote unquote make it. And the thing about being an actor, which um, whatever, so much respect for people who do it, but it's not always a meritocracy. Do you know what I mean? You can be really, really good at what you do and it's still really, really hard to make a living at it, to have success at it. So I hope that doesn't offend any actor listeners, but at least for me, that's how I found it. So after a while, it was just so frustrating because it didn't matter if you were talented. It didn't matter if you worked hard, which I feel like in our industry, that that's how you grow. Yeah. But in other industries, such as that one, being an actor, theater, movies, et cetera, it's really competitive, like understatement of the world. So after about six years of trying to do that, and I did you know, I had some success. I did voiceover work, which is funny since now I host a podcast. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but I did voiceover work. I did a teeny tiny bit of, of um, you know, ad work, commercial work. And then mostly I did regional theater. So I was like living in New York, but traveling around doing plays in other states. Um, so essentially I decided, oh, and this was the other thing, Brian. Every time I got on an airplane, people would say to me, you know, you sit down next to someone. They're like, oh, what do you do for a living? And I'd be like, oh, I'm an actress. And they would like giggle, laugh, whatever, and say, oh, my gosh, what restaurant? Meaning like, obviously, <laughs> you, you do nothing but what wait tables, which honestly, Brian, was 100% true because yeah. I was a wait so I wanted to do something where, and this is the wrong reason to go to law school. Listeners, if you're thinking of going to law school, don't go for this reason. But I wanted to get on an airplane and be able to tell the person sitting next <laughs> to me what I did and not have them laugh at me. And don't ask me why, but what came to mind was being a lawyer. So I went to law school. I adored it. I won't lie. I'm a very like deep down. I'm an extremely nerdy person, which maybe that's something else people don't know about me, but I'm a nerd. I love like I loved learning, taking tests, doing well. All of that appealed to me. I'm a curious person. But Brian, I hate fighting. So I get, out of law, I get out of law school. I'm like a people pleaser. I get out of law school. I get a job as a litigator and like in entertainment law because I thought like, ooh, that's sexy. I was an actress. I'm going to do entertainment law. I thought that was going to be so fun. And then, of course, every single case I got, I would say to the partners, I think we're in the wrong. And I think that we should settle immediately. 
and they would just <laughs> me like, can you please go back to your little tiny office hole and never come out? We're not settling anything. And this was like, I don't even know when this was, but this had been like early 2000s. It was, I don't know if law is any different now, but at least then, you know, people wanted to make money as they should. Uh, they wanted to represent their clients well, as they should, but there wasn't a lot of, oh yeah, I think maybe we should think about how to get this case to go away. And that was what I wanted to do. So needless to say, I didn't last very long. Um, and when I left the law was around the same time that I got married and started having kids. So I joke, actually, that I'm still on maternity leave <laughs> from my job because uh, almost 20 years ago, because my son, my 19 year old is about to be 20, almost 20 years ago, I left to go on maternity leave and I'm still there. On that leave. <laughs> <laughs> well, so then I guess that draws us to the next thing is so you're on maternity leave and you must have had so much free time during these 19 years that you started baking. Take <laughs> us take us to you might not you might not have had a big break in acting, but you've had a big bake in this career. So go ahead and tell us about where that started. I love that. Yes. Yeah, so that was basically I I, I popped out one kid and then about 21 months later, I popped out another little boy and about a year into his life. So I basically had a three-year-old and like a one-year-old. I, again, I'm, I always like to preface things because I don't want anyone to take offense. I love being a mom and I loved being a mom, but I did, I loved being a mom of little tiny kids, but I did feel like after those years at home with them that I needed to be doing, that I wanted and needed to be doing something else. So the funny thing about me, Brian, is I did not grow up baking. I didn't even grow up around any bakers. I grew up with devil dogs, double stuffed Oreos, Pepperidge Farm turnovers, Breyer's ice cream. Those are all my faves. They still you know, no shame. Those things bring me so much, or no shade. Those things yeah. bring me so much joy. I, I still love all that stuff, but that's what I was raised on. And I have always had a voracious sweet tooth. I, I joke, you know, I grew up in a house, maybe you did too, but we had dessert on the table every night. Like that's how I was raised. And that's kind of where I think my sweet tooth grew. So when I was home with these little babies, I started to bake a little on my own. Um, and also was more to like kind of satisfy that sweet tooth than like I wasn't the kind of person who was like, oh, my God, I want to make the most beautiful cake with like a lot of different steps and some really interesting frostings and fillings just because it's Wednesday. I was more like, oh, my gosh, I love my babies, but I really love Rice Krispie treats, too. I need to make them right now. And essentially, a friend of mine said to me, why don't you go? To, to to that bakery in your neighborhood called Baked and see if like you could get a job there or see if you could just check out what they do. And so essentially, I, I mean, again, this I've, I've given so I've said so many things that I don't want people to follow, like going to law school so you can say you're a lawyer on an airplane. But I will say that what I did next is something I try to encourage people to do, which is I literally walked into this bakery called Baked. It was a bakery and still is one that made the kind of was famous for these Americana iconic desserts. I would say, I imagine, Brian, very much what you guys love at Bake From Scratch, what we all love, like beautiful big layer cakes and big cookies and big is the operative word because I'm like really into jumbo. Um, but big cakes, big cookies, cupcakes, whoopie pies. It was all my kind of stuff. 
And um, I walked in and I just said, hey, like, I'm a I'm a mom. Um, I have a little bit of free time right now. My kids are in nursery school. I would like to work for free as an intern and just learn or apprentice and learn what you guys do. Well, needless to say, they thought I was insane because who in Brooklyn walks into a bakery, a mom, says she wants to work for free. I mean, they probably thought I was a crazy person. So needless to say, no one responded. Like, I, I think I left a note for the head baker uh, with the manager and I never heard anything. But I, I'm, a, I'm a plucky little lassie. So I went back um, like a week later and happened to catch the the head baker there. And I apologized for because I had written a note that first time for her um, that I'd given to the to the manager. And I'd been super enthusiastic, Brian, like lots of exclamation points, lots of enthusiasm. And I realized maybe in Brooklyn, you need to be a little bit cool, a little bit hip, a little bit laid back. So I came back in and I said, I apologize for that note. I was like so enthusiastic, so many exclamation points. <laughs> Just want to say, like, I promise I'm going to work hard. I'd love to learn what you guys are doing. And I have, I don't know, 12, 15 hours a week to give you guys, you know, a couple of days a week. Can I come in? And she took a chance on me, which was incredible. And of course, all they wanted me to do was bag the granola in the vacuum seal packages. And I couldn't even use the vacuum sealer. So like already I thought I was going to get fired from my unpaid job. And they wanted me to like wrap loaf cakes in, you know, plastic wrap. So they didn't give me a lot of responsibility in the beginning. But Brian, I was in this part of the bakery that like where the it was the decorating section and it was like shelves and shelves of sprinkles and and like buttercream and tubs and cakes that were being decorated on cake stands. And I just had this like I'm like getting chills. Like I got had this like crazy aha moment where I was like, oh my gosh, like this is it. Like, this is where I want to be, like surrounded by sprinkles and buttercream, not necessarily surrounded by like vacuum sealing machines. <laughs> but luckily, you know, I think I proved that I would like come to work on time and, you know, be enthusiastic, but not so enthusiastic. And um, they let me begin to learn how to make the cookie dough, you know, the loaf cakes. Um, I think I was allowed to make biscuits. I think I was allowed to cut marshmallows, but I was never allowed to make marshmallows. But they, you know, they slowly but surely gave me jobs in the bakery, which was amazing, like such an incredible um, experience. And eventually they started paying me. I think back then minimum wage was like nine dollars and 50 cents. Um, so I wasn't going to put my kids through college or even nursery school. But at least I was, you know, learning in an environment um, in, in a bakery in a bakery. Um, it was funny because <laughs> every single employee was, I don't know, 20 years younger than me. <laughs> <laughs> But the crazy nice thing is I'm still friends with them. Like, it didn't really matter. Like, I didn't mind learning from them. They had just been to school. They were all culinary school graduates. They taught me so much. So it was this wonderful, like, kind of just, I don't know, experience for me being there, learning from them, learning so much, period, since I didn't really know what I was doing. And I, you know, it's so funny you say that and talk about your story, which I love every bit of what you have shared about the journey. And I think back even just about my journey in baking, I did work at a bakery when I was in high school. And unlike you, I was working there to hang out with my friends and we could, you know, operate the fancy espresso machine. So I was like having a blast, like barista and, you know, hanging out with people. And I loved interacting with customers. But I didn't realize until later when I fell in love with baking in a big way, how much the time in the bakery did influence me. I just didn't yeah. know it at the time. 
That's so interesting. So you didn't take the job thinking, oh, I love baking. This is where I want to be. Yeah, because kind of like you, I grew up with, you know, my mom would, we made biscuits and we would make cakes for families, you know, birthday celebrations and things. But I didn't grow up every day standing at the kitchen counter baking with her. And really, it wasn't something that I thought about until later. So you and I have a little bit of that same journey in the beginning But then that time in the bakery, now that I look back at it, I'm like, wow, it was really impactful in what is now a baking career, you know, and same for you. Yeah, I love that. I love that. I didn't know we shared that. Yeah. And then, you know, let's also even you said something earlier about, you know, being an, an, an actress and and the the journey of of really working hard and not getting the big break. And, you know, sometimes even in the baking and content creating world it's a little bit of the same, and I want to draw a little bit of a parallel here. Before you authored your own cookbooks, you were a contributing developer for many other cookbooks. So your name wasn't even on the cover. I, I want to talk a little bit about the journey for you. So you've you've worked in the bakery, you started learning, you really fell in love with you know the the craft and everything you were surrounded by buttercream and sprinkles. Who wouldn't be excited? But then you, you've done so much in the baking world that wasn't Jesse Sheehan's name on it. Tell us about that period. Yes, I would love to. And I also want to say, Brian, because as you said it back to me, I realized that that could come off the wrong way in the sense that I, I am 100% aware of people in our industry who are working really, really hard and who are really, really talented and who are not seeing kind of the success that they want to see. So I, did, I do kind of want to just like honor them and that because you're every well, every industry is tough you know what i mean sure. and maybe just for me the acting one i never got to where i wanted to be there but i feel like i'm certainly feel like i'm on the road now to getting that in the baking world and in in the food world but i did just want to say that i hope that didn't come off as flip like oh no you know the thing that i will say what i took away from your statement was in my mind thinking about like even just my platform here at bake from scratch or your platform as the host of cherry bombs podcast we are community celebrators i will say i think there and i'm not saying that that doesn't exist in in the acting world either because i don't know but I totally hear what you're saying, and and we do try to celebrate and find people working that every day to really build their baking and food careers, too. And you're a big part of that. You are a cheerleader for everybody. So I, I, I don't think anyone listening, I hope, didn't take that statement you made any oh, other way than, than just giving your story about your journey. Good, 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 good. Thanks, Brian. Yeah, I think that's true. And I do probably think that's our, our industry is maybe unique in that way because we have such a... And I promise I'm going to answer your question, but because we're so in everybody's face with Instagram and all of the videos and all of the stuff we all have to do as creators to get our brand across, um, we do end up, I, I can't imagine doing it if I wasn't also saying, hey, look at this person's new book. Yeah. Hey, look at this great person I just chatted with. Hey, look at my people over at Bake From Scratch that I'm working with. I love them. You know, all of that. Sure. Um, I think that's a really big part of what we all do. But yes, what was this is another thing. I mean, yes, yes, yes to hard work. But I also have had, I think, been lucky in in here's one way I go to baked just wanting to learn how to bake, like maybe make one of my kids a whoopie pie once in a while, like didn't have any. I didn't have a goal. I didn't like I want to go to cooking school or I want to open a bakery or 
or definitely not. I want to be a cookbook writer. Like, no, no, no. Didn't think about that at all. I was probably sadly the last time I lived in the moment. <laughs> but back then I was living in the moment. I was in it to win it because it was fun. And I thought it was such a cool thing to be doing and learning about. But I got lucky because the guys who owned the bakery, Matt and Nato, were um, kind of getting a little celebrity for their bakery. I think Oprah had said they made the best you know, Brownie and Martha loved them and they got a cookbook deal and they needed somebody to test their recipes for that first book who was a home baker. You know, they could let the employees at the bakery test them. Of course, they were already on the clock, but they needed someone who kind of didn't know what she was doing or knew a little bit what she was doing. And that was me. So I got this incredible break that, you know, even that first year that I was working for them, where sometimes they would say, don't come into the bakery today we're going to pay you from home. And to me, oh my God, the idea that you were in your kitchen and making money, I was like in heaven. Um, but they said, you know, here's our maple scone recipe. Please try this recipe at home. And I just, Brian, I just loved it. I'm like a very kind of nerdy. Well, I already said I'm a nerd. I'm like a nerdy pointy school person. So I loved like looking at the recipe, testing it, making notes, uh, suggesting changes, like the whole act of that was really appealing to me. And at the time, I couldn't contribute any real science. I couldn't say, I think there's too much baking soda, or if you want this to be more tender, what about a little baking, you know, what about a little buttermilk instead of just plain whole milk? Like, I didn't know anything. So it was purely just, does the recipe work in a home kitchen? And that was not only a really fun opportunity, but a great beginning to like testing develop it led that was the first book I worked on I just tested recipes for them but by their second third and fourth book excuse me fourth books I was actually helping them to develop recipes too so it was an incredible education in all the things you need to do to write a cookbook and again I had no idea I wanted to write a cookbook I just wanted to you know be be you know part of this process with these guys that I thought were so great at my bakery but it was you know by default this incredible learning you know curve or um education in what goes into writing a cookbook I remember they the guys they they were very generous with me and always have been but they put me in touch with their agent and I wrote to their agent and met with their agent only because I wanted to help other cookbook writers I wasn't like oh my gosh this is so great. And I'm so great. Can I please have a cookbook deal? I was literally like, I probably suck. Sorry if you can't say suck. <laughs> you can. I'm, okay, but I probably suck because I'm like a little insecure. I probably suck, but I'd love to help other people. And, you know, this is just, again, so fortuitous. That particular agent said, you know, there's someone we work with sometimes. She's not really a client, but she wants to write a cookbook about icebox cakes. Do you want to write it with her? And that is literally how my first book came to be. Wow. It was not, yeah, right? I mean, for anyone out there that knows a little bit about the cookbook writing process, or even if you don't, Brian knows because he said, wow, that's unheard of. <laughs> <laughs> and and, and in, in, in my story's defense, this was like 2011, 2012. So the other thing to note, and I know you know this, Brian, that was like a very different time in the, in the food sure. world and cookbook world. So- Sounds silly, but it was, quote unquote, easier back then. So this particular woman named Jean and I, Jean Sagendorf, who I wrote Icebox Cakes with, that was my first book. We were connected. 
through this agent and we wrote this book together that, you know, Chronicle Books published. And so I kind of joke, Brian, that like, I shouldn't have even been writing that book. I mean, I don't want anyone to get scared and not buy it because <laughs> feel free to go buy it. But, um, but you know, I, it, I was very new. I was a newbie. You know, Jean was a little more experienced than me, but really Jean had the idea and she wanted me to write the book. So I developed all those recipes and that was an intense, you know, again, talk about a learning curve. Well, but and that's how I went from like helping M Matt and Nato test recipes to suddenly being a cookbook author. And I think you've touched on so many things that I think people listening may not know about just the process in general, but also the opportunities for people in the baking community to be a part of fun cookbook projects. And I've had the pleasure of testing some recipes for friends that are publishing books and and we, you know, send our recipes for people to do home test of. And I love when people crowdsource it. I see it a lot on social media. A baking blogger will have a cookbook on the way and they'll say, I'm getting my list together of people that want to home test. And it is a great step into learning about a cookbook, testing at home, and being just a part of that world. And I love that your journey took you from their bakery into their book work too. That's amazing. It's so cool. I agree. And I agree with everything you just said. And again, you know, you, I don't want to tell people they should go work for free because I know that is you're fortunate, obviously, in your circumstances, if you can do so. But putting yourself out there in the way you just described, Brian, offering your services to someone to help test a book, offering anything if you know how to edit. I mean, I've had the good fortune. I'm working on my fourth book right now, and I've had the good fortune a few times of having people slide into my DMs and say, hey, I I'm willing to work with you. What do you need? Could I test recipes for you? Could I help with this for you? I could help with your website. I could do this. And you know, it's always, you're always a teeny bit anxious, like, hmm, who is this person? <laughs> and, and, but, but my advice to anyone who wants to do that, like really like smart DMs that are written well, maybe with a link to a, to a, a person's site or to a, to a, a resume of some kind. Like I, I actually respond. Well, first of all, I'm a freak and I respond to every single DM I get. People always think I have like some staff and behind me, like hiding in my closet, but I have no staff. I respond to all my DMs. And I just if I if something clicks in the way that person wrote to me, um, I 100 percent am happy to have people helping me. You know, just like you said, it feels good to it feels good to get help and it feels good to help people. And you're like in on the inside scoop. You're getting to bake some of the recipes like years before the rest of the world gets them. So you kind yes. of have a little bit of that like, oh, I'm in the club for this book. I've made some of those recipes. <laughs> 100%. 100%. So I highly recommend. I know people do it because they've done it to me. But for any listeners that are wondering, like, how do I break in? What do I do? It's a fantastic way to do so, I think. I think it's perfect. Okay, so in your books and on your social media and your website, you are known, and in Bake From Scratch, let's plug the magazine too. You are known for your easy peasy recipes. And you talk a lot about the fewer ingredients, the better. So I'm going to have to challenge you, Jesse, if you were being taken away to a remote island where you really were only limited to like your key favorite ingredients. So keeping simple in mind, what would you take with you? And I want to know what it is. But before you answer, we're going to take a quick moment to thank our sponsors. Want to know something sweet? Well, sugar is a key ingredient in most of the recipes that we create here at Bake From Scratch. And we are proud to exclusively stock CNH sugar in our pantry, and we think you should too. 
All right, Jesse, I hope you've had time to think about it. What are the ingredients, this easy peasy approach? What are you taking with you? Okay, so this is going to offend a lot of butter lovers in the house. And do not get me wrong. I love butter. I adore butter, of course. But one key ingredient to my easy baking is using vegetable oil or olive oil. And don't, I don't want to offend, but even vegetable shortening, which I love, I love all of those ingredients because, and particularly the oils, because when you make a cake or you make a cookie with an oil rather than butter, you do not need a stand mixer to cream that butter. You do not need to soften that butter. Like I love to figure out recipes that I can make. Sometimes I'll substitute melted butter for the oil if I want a little more flavor. But I, but if I'm on this desert island, I mean, I'm going to want to be doing some baking. Um, I'm going to want to have oil with me because I know there are so many things I can make where I can substitute the fat in that recipe for for oil. I love it. I mean, I'm imagining like a sand layer cake with a little <laughs> oil in it to keep the texture nice and soft. Exactly. And maybe exactly. some coconut that you found nearby is a nice little topping. I can feel this easy peasy simple thing going on. Exactly. The other th- two things I want to bring, even though I know they're not the smartest, is my favorite, two of my favorite ingredients are sweetened condensed milk and marshmallows. And I know not everyone loves marshmallows, but I'm partial to them because I do love Rice Krispie treats. And I love stabilizing whipped cream with a little melted marshmallow, which is a great little tip. But I would think that I could bring a c- couple of cans of sweetened condensed milk with me because it will last forever. Have you <laughs> and have you seen that they they are selling sweetened condensed milk in a bag that has a resealable little screw cap on the end? Oh my yeah. God, Brian, you've just blown my mind. I feel like this was a moment to change lives and I felt like you needed to know because it's also great to just take a little spoonful because I could drink it from the can or the, ba- I mean, right? Yeah. So it's a little cheat. There's a little baker snack there. You just take the nozzle off, put a little sweetened condensed milk in a spoon and you're good to go. Oh my gosh, I love that. <laughs> and I'm going to be Googling that as soon as we stop talking. Well, you hit your local grocery. And if you can't find it in your local market, ask the store manager. (laughs) There's the flight attendant in me. I'm coming back with the briefing. I'm telling you what to do with the information you've been given. Okay. So speaking of information, you are really, really not just animated. I mean, I'm sure everyone can hear it in your voice. You bring a smile pizzazz, sass, and drama to a lot of moments in your life. Your social media is a perfect platform to capture that and to see you in action. But you also post a lot of baking PSAs. So you do a lot of these, you know, public service announcements for bakers on social (laughs) media. And I just want to know what's one that comes to top of your mind that you want to share here on this podcast? So this one is, I think, I, you know, it's so funny, Brian, I know you know this, when you post something on social, you'll get like half or maybe three quarters of the people being like, like a tip. Amazing. (laughs) I love it. I can't wait to try. And then the other half or quarter is like, nope, I do it my way. So so I'm going to tell you, this is my way to kind of grease a bunt pan to make sure that a cake doesn't stick. It's not for everyone. Some people have all different kinds of ways that they love. But what I love to do, I love 
baking cooking spray. I'm just going to say it. Not That's the truth. But you could also use butter. So first you're going to grease the pan, whether it's cooking spray or softened butter. You could even use shortening. Um, and then I like rather than to dust with flour or cocoa powder for a chocolate cake, I like to dust with granulated sugar because the granulated sugar not only allows the cake to pop out, I swear to God, people think, no, 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 it's going to get sticky and gross. It doesn't. It allows your cake to pop out about five minutes, 10 minutes after it comes out of the oven. But you also get this gorgeous, sparkly, slightly crackly, crunchy coating on the bundt cake. So it's like better than flour, which can sometimes be a teeny bit pasty. Or cocoa, cocoa powder is pretty nice. But sometimes when you pop the bun, it may have come out perfectly, but you can kind of see some little splotches of cocoa powder or flour um, if you're using flour. But I love to use granulated sugar. And that's one of my tips for, for making a really pretty sparkly cake, bun cake, that I think you could do with, with a chocolate cake or a vanilla cake. I um, think that sounds cake. superb. I've actually done it before also. And you're right, that that sugary, crunchy it's it's not even I know everyone's mind is thinking like caramelized and burned almost, but it's not the crumb of that cake. Uh, it's perfect. I love it. I think that's a Yay. perfect PSA for you to share. Yay. <laughs> Makes life sweet and your bunt cakes even sweeter. Yes. OK, so let's stop talking about sweetness for just half a second. You're working on your fourth cookbook. I happen to already know what it is, but I need you to tell our listeners a little bit about book number four. Of course. So I'm very excited to be writing a book called Savory Snackable Bakes. My third book was called Snackable Bakes. And conceptually, it was a book, as Brian and I have been talking about, easy peasy recipes. So this new book, Savory Snackable Bakes, is really the same thing conceptually. All the recipes are assembled in 20 minutes or less. There's no fancy equipment like stand mixers or food processors. You're making everything in a bowl with a whisk. And all of the ingredients are hopefully in your pantry or definitely at your local grocery store. The hook is that all the recipes are savory. So rather than have, you know, a chocolate cake in there, I've got like a everything bread snacking cake, oh. which has some everything spices. And listen to this, Brian, I can't even believe it worked, but this is one we've already tested. I also have like chunks of cream cheese in the bread. Now, I don't want anyone to get grossed out by that <laughs> idea. It is absolutely delicious. They get slightly melty when they bake and you pull this kind of, it looks like a snacking cake, but I'm calling it a snacking bread because I don't want people to get freaked out. Um, but when you pull it from the oven and slice it, you have these like melty kind of spots of cream cheese. You have all this salty, delicious, everything blend spice. And I probably shouldn't even be sharing so much, but I also threw capers in there. Yeah. So it's like, it's like a bagel with cream cheese and everything bagel with cream cheese and capers. There's no salmon, there's no red onion, but put those <laughs> on the side. So it's been, it's a, it's a book with all of those kinds of things like snacking cakes, muffins. I have a chapter called toasty handhelds well, where I'll have little ham pies and little puff pastry pies. Um, but everything is savory as opposed to sweet. And honestly, Brian, this book, I'm not going to lie. It is so hard for me to write because that is just not my jam. Yeah. I, I am very much a sweet person. It's an, it's really fun because it's really challenging 
But I have definitely been leaning. I work with a recipe tester who I used to work with at Baked back in the day. Um, and she's fantastic. Her name is Stephanie Witten. And she just has a much more sophisticated palate than me, has went to cooking school, knows all about savory. She knows everything. So I lean on her a lot with this book because I'll be developing something and I'll be like, oh, wow. This, you know, like I have a, um, I have a muffin that's stuffed with like a Boursin cheese, like a yes. herby, cheesy middle. And I think I have chives in the muffin and I'll need to say to, to, to Stephanie, okay, like I put the chives in, I got the cheese here, but like, do I need like a little garlic powder? Should I put mustard powder <laughs> in? Like, I actually need to lean on her and she'll say, you know what? I think like a tiny pinch of cayenne might be nice in the background for a little punch. And so she's been like just instrumental in helping me develop recipes for this book because it's just it's just not in my like wheelhouse. Like, can you do anything, Brian? Like, are you just like can snap into savory baking? Like, no problem. I you know, it's funny as you were saying this, my brain was like going, OK, savory baking. And how, how do I feel about it as a you know conceptual thing? I tend to think of like bread bake. You know, it's like I'll bake yes, breads totally. and, and savory galettes and things that maybe I just didn't think of it as savory baking because I think of it in a different category. But then when you say everything spiced, you know, snacking bread instead of the word cake, I was like, wow, that's actually you are venturing into territory that even I'm a little bit like you're going to push me there, too. So, yeah, that's amazing. Yeah, it's been a really interesting experience. And I won't lie, like not all good. Because I get where it's like, I mean, the funny, crazy thing about my last book, Snackable Bakes, which I think I've told you before, Brian, but I literally wrote that book like over the summer of 2021. Like it just, it was a crazy timetable, but essentially I signed a deal in May of 2021 and the book came out in May of 2022. So I wrote it incredibly quickly. It was crazy expedited. And that was hard and people can't believe I did that, but it's like, Brian, you've written a million books. You could do, I mean, we know how to sit down and write a sweets recipe. We just do. You know, I look at the chapter. I know I need cakes. I can come up with cake recipes. It's just, I've been at it long enough. You've been at it. We know how to do that, but it's all bets are off where I'm like, okay, I'm looking at my, you know, toasty handheld chapter. Like, what am I going to put in all these hand pies? Like, what's the variety going to be? How are they going to be different from each other? I can't, you know, of course I want to put cheese in every recipe in yeah, the entire I, book, <laughs> but you know that people will be like, hello, can like, can anything not have cheese in it? So, you know, you have to be creative in your savory thinking, which like I said, doesn't necessarily come easy to me. But what a journey though. I mean, you've just taken me even in the few minutes we've been talking about it. My brain is now trying to be in your brain going, okay, what would I put in the the hand pies, yeah. what would I do for yeah. a savory cookie or a savory, yeah. you know, it, it's funny now my brain is, I'll probably text you tonight at midnight and be like, I thought of one. I thought of one oh, really God. good one. Please do. Please do. <laughs> it's funny with this book, I'm doing something a little differently too. I don't know how you do it when, when you're writing a cookbook, but historically I, you know, you have to, when, when you, when you pitch, you know, your idea, I usually have a table of contents all done. So yeah. I've, Come up with recipe names and figured out how I think the book should be organized. <laughs> but usually, like when I did Snackable Bakes, I literally sat down for that first month of writing and working on the book and literally developed every recipe, not in the kitchen, but at my computer. And then I went into the computer with the recipes done. Of course, they change 
a million sure. times. Sure. But this time I'm sort of going chapter by chapter. So like I've only developed the chapter that I'm working on, which is also kind of a departure for me, which in a way feels kind of nice. Like um, it just keeps it a little more fresh because you don't get so tired of developing. Because when you sit down to develop 15 recipes in a chapter, it's overwhelming. Yeah. So I was doing 100 recipes over a, a month. How do you do it when you're writing? Do, you, do it, you develop them all in the beginning or do you go chapter by chapter? It's funny you say that because I was, again, going through my mind of the different books and the different subject matters. And some of them have kind of written themselves already in my head over the course of concept to what are we going to do? And then there's others that I will go chapter by chapter and... I just went through a whole process of taking a like a minute step back from baking and I have another cocktail book on the way this fall. Ooh, and so fun. it was so fun to let my brain go in a whole other creative yeah. direction. But yeah. creating recipes from the name, actually, like I was yeah. so hell bent on the way the names of the recipes were going to go that then we're yeah. like, well, let's do a cocktail recipe based off that name. And it was like, I already knew the name had to be what I wanted. And then from there, okay, here's the recipe for it. Oh my gosh, I love that. I do, I mean, I do that too, to a degree where you, the name is first, but I love, that sounds like kind of like what I'm doing. Like you're doing a depart, you're, yeah. it's still in your world, but it's a departure in terms of ingredients and in terms of concept. Um, that's so cool. I can't wait. What, what is yours? Did you say fall? So it'll be out in the fall. And so the very first book I ever published with my name on it was a cocktail book. And ah. it, it's called The Coop. And it was all about the coupe glass. So never had, you know, really a cocktail book, to my knowledge, been released that started with this love affair for this very beautiful glass that I was oh. finding in all of these antique stores and seeing you know, in my mom's crystal collection, I thought, gosh, these are so beautiful. And then I started seeing bartenders making all these amazing drinks and serving them in a coupe glass. And so I did the book. And then, of course, over the course of my career and baking really being the, the number one driver of content, so baking cookbooks and ideas and all of these things, you know, coming from my brain and bake from scratch, I kept thinking, if I were able to do that book again, what would I do? And- <gasps> Now I'm doing it. I've like taking book number one, learning some things I wished I'd known then. And Brooke Bell and I have co-authored this book that's coming out. It's called Holiday Coop Tales. So it's all oh geared towards God. holiday entertaining. <laughs> but also, are you like the master of the title? I don't, I yeah. I, I, mean, that, I love this <laughs> coop idea. And then I love Holiday Coop Coop tales, you guys are geniuses. Sometimes the lightning bolt strikes and you just have to honor that it did. You just have oh to say, well, that one was one that, yeah, that one came pretty easily. Oh my gosh, I can't wait. I can't wait. I hope we'll be drinking some holiday coop tales when I'm there in July. Well, you know, we'll be do we'll be drinking something. So you that's a perfect segue for what I was gonna to chat with you about next. So you and I spend all this time talking today and we've got all of our bakers ready to 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 bake. And first of all, when does the book four come out? Because I think we've got to wait till 2024, don't we? Yes, exactly. It comes out in October of 24. Okay, so patience is a virtue. But for those <laughs> of you that are so excited about baking with Jesse and maybe me, guess what? Jesse is headed to Birmingham to our brand new Bake From Scratch Test Kitchen where we have a full classroom. And she and I are going to be teaching one of our baking retreats together. 
And it's kind of a really nice timing for what you just talked about with savory, because a part of this summer baking retreat is we're going to go to Birmingham's Pepper Place Market, and we're going to use some of the fresh summer produce here in Alabama. So think tomatoes, think corn, think savory baking. There will be some savory recipes included. Um, But more than that, I just can't wait to be in the kitchen with you. I can't wait, Brian. For those that don't know, Brian and I are a really good time. <laughs> and you are going to have such a good time with us if you join. And not, not that you can't have a good time with us just listening to this podcast, but we are really fun. And we will have, I can't wait to be to be with you in Birmingham. I well, can't wait. And, you know, just to even tie this whole conversation together, having you in Birmingham, having a group of community bakers in the room together, this is what our baking world is all about. So the fun the laughter, the easy peasy, the fast fix, the using produce when it's fresh. This summer baking retreat is going to be all of those things. And then a laugh a minute. Let's be honest. We're going to have a total blast. <laughs> I, can't, I can't wait. <laughs> oh my gosh. Well, Jesse, this has been so amazing. I am so honored that you took time to join me here on The Crumb. I can't wait to see you in Birmingham in July. I can't wait to bake all of your recipes that are headed to the magazine and to your new upcoming cookbook. Maybe I'll get a sneak peek at some point. Maybe I can be a tester. That's what. Yay! That's it. I want to <laughs> test a few of the recipes so we can bring this full circle. But um, where can people find you on social? Where can they find you for more information? I want to make sure you give everyone the in-flight safety briefing about how to find Jesse Sheehan and interact <laughs> with you wherever you are. Okay, people can find me on Instagram and on TikTok and on Facebook at Jesse Sheehan Bakes, S-H-E-E-H-A-N, Jesse Sheehan Bakes. Um, you can find me um, on the web at jessesheehanbakes.com. Uh, you can find my podcast, She's My Cherry Pie, wherever you listen to podcasts. And you can find my incredibly fun and a column that I love, 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 my fast fix column for Bake From Scratch magazine, as Brian said, in every issue. Well, that was perfect. I love it. And for those of you listening that want to join us this summer, visit bakefromscratch.com and check out our events section of the website. Or you can email events at bakefromscratch.com to get more information to sign up while there are a few spots remaining. We're not sold out yet, but we're close. So get your spot. It's going to be an amazing baking time in Birmingham. And Jesse, this has been one of these episodes that I am so grateful that you joined me. I love being your friend. I love being in your baking world. And this was such a fun chat. Now I'm going to turn it over to all of our bakers at home. It's your turn. So preheat your oven. It's time to bake. We will be back with you next time here on The Crumb for more fun in our baking world. If you liked our podcast, please rate, subscribe, and tell a friend about us. And to keep up with my baking endeavors, follow me on Instagram at Brian Hart Hoffman. You can also follow Bake From Scratch at The Bake Feed. And for online recipes and fresh baking content, be sure to visit our website, bakefromscratch.com. We even have a newsletter called Preheat to get you ready for all the baking that lies ahead. Finally, for real-life baking inspiration, grab a copy of the magazine on newsstands or sign up for a subscription and we'll mail the magazine to you with each and every new issue.